0: All right. Uh, you ready? I'm going to do the loud yes. intro. Are you good? I've never done the intro this way. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you. My name is Zach Shamler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. It should be. Austin's next to me. Hello, Austin. Hello. This should be episode 360 because I'm actually after this recording episode 359 and then putting them out in reverse order because I'm a madman okay. and I'm going to do okay. three episodes in one night. and I, No, only two, but still. <laughs> How are you? How are you, my friend? Zach, I'm well. How are you? I I'm so good. Uh, I am I, as you are too. Tired. We both run businesses now, which is like a <laughs> lot of extra hell. Um, but I'm I'm just glad to talk about hockey with a good friend and talk about round two. I think what I'd like to do though, if, if we may, yeah, is start with what's currently happening. Okay, uh, like literally because tonight uh, we're recording Tuesday. This will probably come out Wednesday. Tonight the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the New York Islanders four to two. Their series is tied one to one. And then the Golden Knights last night, Monday night, beat the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so Vegas leads that series one nothing, and they're playing. I think it's called the semifinals to play to get into the Stanley Cup final. That's correct.
1: Yes, usually this would be the conference finals, as it is mm. in most sports that have conferences, which is like all of them over here. Yeah. Um, because of the the again, we've talked about it a lot. Because of the way that COVID shifted um, yeah. the the season format. We are currently in the Stanley Cup semifinals, as opposed to the conference finals. It's a small name change; it means the same thing. It's the third round. It's the last round before the Cup final. It's all the same deal, but we are in the Stanley Cup semifinal.
0: So, I have a couple of questions about current events. Then we'll go backwards okay. to round two because I think we, I I can't wait to hear your thoughts on round two and some of the. the there's a big surprise. People know it if they know it. Uh, if you know, you know. But first of all, I'm curious. Uh, do you have any thoughts about Tampa Bay? And um the Islanders uh, and their series so far
1: Islanders are a good team and you know it's it's you start out uh you look at the series and it's it's hard to bet against Tampa at this point after and we'll get into it but at, at this point you think it's smart money to just bet on anything or bet against anything I say at this point after round <laughs> two I go one for three <laughs> I go one for four calling those series so who knows why I'm even here but seriously I mean Tampa on paper as they often are the better team uh, New York showed up in game one. Um, hit him in the mouth, looked good, they were opportunistic as they always are. And you know, and, and they and they and they grind out a, a two one win. This it was different today. The Lightning um, big guns had it going a little bit more. Nikita Kucherov who we've talked about his you know, his whole the way that his season has gone, the, the cap circumvention that he was kind of the center figure of, he comes in today and notches three assists, uh, in a very impressive game. They get balanced scoring. They get a couple of goals from defensemen, a couple of goals from their forwards. Uh, Braden Point is leading the playoffs with ten goals right now. He's playing out of his mind. Things are working for Tampa now. Um, it's on the. I mean, it, you know, it's it's on the Islanders now to respond. They've done a good job of that. Um, if I was going to pick a team to be able to do that to the Island or to the the Lightning, rather, it might be the Islanders just because of who they have personnel-wise and who they have as a coach. Barry Trotz is no stranger. Um, to engaging defenses. He's no stranger to being around high-powered offenses. He ran one for a very long time in Washington. He knows what makes uh, guys like that tick. So um, I think it's a fun series either way. I think that Tampa wins it, but again, who knows where that goes? It's the NHL playoffs, crazy stuff happens. Um, hmm. But I'd be really surprised if this thing goes less than six or seven. It went six uh, the last time these two teams met in a, uh, in a in a playoff series. I believe it was the last time, and I, I think it went six, and, I, and the Islanders I think are better. Um, the Lightning, you know, you could say are too, but I think the Islanders are better. And I think that we see a nice long series and it's going to be fun uh, no matter what.
0: I got a meaningless thought. I got a lot of friends back in New York that are okay. big Islanders fans. They're all okay. from Long Island. Uh, so it wanted to be cool to hear them like happy if their team advanced to the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. The other thought is, and this is another secondary meaningless thought. My favorite podcast is a video game podcast. I don't listen to sports content actually at all. Oh, uh, okay. But a guy named Colin Moriarty. I he loves the New York Islanders. So if if he got to I kind of want the moment of him talking about his team going to a potentially winning a Stanley Cup final. Like that'd be kind of cool to hear on my favorite podcast sports get mentioned because I know I'll throw that in there at some point. Uh, But other than that, man, I I don't have a lot of thought there, but I do want to now shift to uh, the Golden Knights beating the Canadians uh, four to one. Uh, Vegas now leads the series one to nothing. They beat. I mean, we'll get into it. They beat the Avalanche. Do you believe, I mean, the the Golden Knights and my, from outside looking in, should be the favorite to win that series. Am I right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I would say that they're more of a favorite, um, you know, than Winnipeg was. And I really had faith in Winnipeg to to take care of the Canadians. We'll talk about that. I think that, I think that this is where we see whether it's like March Madness or whether it's an eight seed in, you know, in hockey in previous years, we've seen it, or it's just, it's that, that, that tough gritty fun team that makes the Cinderella run most of the time the overwhelming majority of the time that clock strikes midnight and it just seems like this is going to be the time where the style of play the great goaltending it just isn't going to quite be enough for Montreal I just think they're overmatched I think that Vegas I've said it a lot with Vegas specifically and I'll talk about it again more this is an incredibly experienced postseason team this is a team that Mm. knows how to win into the spring and that's so so valuable um in hockey specifically and it's you know this it's it's tough to get over that when you when you match that with this what i think is superior talent up and down the board and that's not a knock on montreal because they've had a phenomenal postseason they made it farther than anyone thought they were going to so all hats off to them i just think they've run into a team that's too tough it's an eventually mm-hmm. talent is going to win out the experience is going to win out what yeah. you do on the ice is going to win out and i think that's where we are with with this series and four one in the first game exemplifies that i don't expect montreal to just turtle um yeah. you know you make it this far into the season you got you're a team that has a lot of heart but i again it's just it's tough for me to see how the canadians spirit and gritty style of play um wins out here
0: so i got, I got two questions left about like the current events uh and yeah. the, I'm, I'm gonna call them the conference finals i hate that they're the That's semifinals because i never know i'm like what does that mean People always say like semi and quarter, and I'm like, I can't in my head wrap around. I hate all that stuff. I'm like, is that four eight? I, I can't do the math. Baseball's uh, but the I'm...
1: craziest one because they treat the pennant like the stint, like or like, yeah. like the World Series half the time. The
0: championship series, and you're like, wait, yeah,
1: it's like, wait, no, this is like they they really care about leagues, the American League, the, the National League. We're not here to talk about baseball. That's just a funny thing that I've noticed. But yeah, we bro, can we can the, go the, we can on and on
0: about the baseball.
1: Oh my god,
0: the <laughs> the amazing sport that they refuse to do anything positive for and ruin. I oh my gosh, I. I love the sport of baseball. I hate how it's run, and I will say that for uh, until they fix it, which probably never will happen it's in our lifetime, unfortunately. Not,
1: not during this uh, commissioner, <laughs> uh, I fear. But, yeah, no, so conference – we call it conference finals for the sake of for, for brevity. <laughs> Prosperity, right? The game yeah. to
0: get to the championship. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious. First of all, uh, of the four teams left, you have uh, the Lightning, the Islanders, the Golden Knights, and the Canadians. Who do you, Austin, want – like, do you have a team you're rooting for that you want to see win the Stanley Cup final?
1: Oh, Man, you know what? If in terms of like, the Canadians are obviously like the 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 Cinderella. Like that's mm. the one you want to see. You want yeah. Carey Price to 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 earn that ring. Um, you know, there's who's Carey Price? Carey Price. He's the Carey goaltender Price. for the for the Montreal Canadiens. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's arguably the best goaltender of his generation. He's a phenomenal player, and Montreal's made some runs with him, but they just haven't quite been able to get all the way there and he's one of those guys where he's been there for so long he's been such a phenomenal player he's the kind of guy you want to see win one Mm. and you know and and that hasn't uh that hasn't been been their their reality yet so if i had to choose probably them um after that it would be the it would be the islanders i think they've got a lot of likable guys um matthew barzell who is their young phenomenal amazing talented player i actually played his junior hockey here in seattle so he's kind of a he's a local kid i played Mm. for the seattle thunderbirds in the western hockey league he's awesome uh and i just i I personally like the way that a lot of those guys play uh you know brock nelson again barzil um the guys that you wouldn't have necessarily heard of the anthony Beauvilliers of the world nick letty these are guys that i just that are that come to work they play hard um and you want to see those kind of guys win. So I think those would be my yeah. the two teams that I would want to win the most.
0: If you did power rankings, would the Canadians be the fourth best team y- right now left? Y-
1: I would say so, yeah. How come? It's a talent thing. It really is. It's just like these, when you get this far in, and they, they, they got good players. Like, this isn't to say that, like, Montreal sucks or anything. Clearly, they're professionals. To, they're professionals, and you make it to one, you one of the best, or you're one of the last four teams in the, in the postseason. You're, you're clearly not a bad team. So I don't mean, yeah. nothing that I say is is in a vacuum it's it's relative to the surrounding talent and montreal just isn't again yeah. they're not quite there yet whether it's the players on the ice whether it's the coaching whether it's the way that they are not quite able to compete with these mm. you know operational i mean they went 24 and 21 and 11 in the regular season like that's not it's not that good that's yeah. fine but it's you 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 have a, a 56 some game sample size and it's you know you're barely above 500 um that says what it needs to say about you as a team. And again, no shade to them; they've made a great run so far. I just don't—I don't know how far it goes for them.
0: I'm—I'm I'm a football guy, and I always I have a hard time not comparing everything to football. And the Montreal Canadiens remind me of—if they somehow did win the Stanley Cup final, it would be similar to when the New York Giants years ago had like they were like a wild card team, the the sixth ranked team in the in the playoffs. They came and beat the New England Patriots when the Patriots are undefeated, like, super unexpected, a team that was barely uh, right around five hundred that overcame all the odds and made it to the end and won at the end. That sounds like a kind of a similar thing with the Canadians. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, the team that I immediately come to would be uh, uh, that 20— and this might not be, like, the most apt comparison ever, but it's that, sure. that, uh, that 2010 Seahawks team with the Beastquake run. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was Just an all— heart. And like that was in a wild card game and they won by five. And again, it's not a series, and you know, if you run that back in New Orleans and who went eleven went eleven and five that year. And Seattle, um, you know, New Orleans probably wins that game more, and it's one game, not a seven game set, so there's some inherent kind of variability there. But that's who I'd almost compare them to. It's like this is a really fun team. It's they got a lot of heart. They really, really want it so bad and they've got guys who deserve to win it, but eventually it just doesn't quite you know, you just can't quite do it and that's the way to, I don't and I'm not even sure how yeah. far Seattle made it in that postseason. I know they obviously remember. won that game. I don't know yeah. if they lost the next game. Also Clearly never forget that way, way. run. And that's the impactful play, right? I mean, that's the yeah. one. It was it was a high-scoring game too. It was like a crazy high-octane, crazy high-scoring game, but it's always. but that run is the one that you always think of. Um I know yeah, it's a hockey
0: podcast, but it's funny to actually look back at the Saints losses in the playoffs like the beast Quake the the no call against the Rams, mm-hmm. yeah. that crazy play by Stephon Diggs, the you know, it's like year after year they had heartbreaking, weird, memorable losses. Like that's kind of unbelievable.
1: And they've got like the losses come in in fashions that are super like repeatable. So for like yeah. the so for like the, the Seahawks game it's Beast Quake and then for the uh, the Stefan Diggs play it's that iconic Joe Buck, you know, Diggs, sideline touchdown. Yeah, it's it, they, it's super like, memorable in the way that they lose these games. If they didn't have, if they didn't win the, the one they did, I think that Saints fans would be a, would be would have a lot different outlook on oh, life. Yeah. But they got they got that one, so you know it is what it is. But yeah, we're we're talking football now. But
0: um, let's. So I have I want to put a thumbtack in the Canadians because I want to. We'll circle back to them immediately after this next question, but I do uh, want to shift to the next question, which I asked you. You know, which team would you like to see win? Yep. Yeah the Stanley Cup final. But I'm curious, is there a team you think will win? Is there like a favorite you have?
1: You know, at this point, I'd probably lean Vegas just because I think that I think that Tampa's actually like player for player, roster for roster, I think that Tampa's actually the better team slightly. Mm. Um I think their goaltending's a lot better, which is huge. Yeah. You know, seven games or four, you know, best in four. If you can get a goalie to steal a game or two, that's a lot better. So I think Tampa's actually the better roster, but I think the Islanders are going to give them a series. And I think that the the Knights are gonna are gonna I don't wanna say brief, so it's disrespectful, but they're gonna not have as difficult of a time with the Canadians. And I think there's that middle ground Zach where people talk about it a lot. If you almost win too fast that you have like a week off and then it's, you know, are you rusty? Whereas the team that goes with that wins in seven and is clicking. I think it's like that sometimes and it's like that for some sports, but when it's yeah. hockey, when you've played a super condensed schedule, the game's as physical as it is already. Both these teams have played a bunch of overtime games. Um I think that this the series that Tampa's going to see from the Islanders, which I think goes six or seven games, and it's going to be six or seven tough games, I think, is going to do more to erode um, physically, mentally, whatever yeah. uh, the Islanders than I think Vegas will go through. So I think that Vegas comes mm-hmm. in fresher. And I think that's why I – think, I think it's those two teams. I think Tampa wins their series. I think Vegas wins theirs. And I think we see those two teams in the final. I think that Vegas being able to come in fresher is going to be the difference. You might not see it immediately is what I'm going to say. I, you know, I don't think you're going to look at game one and be like, "Wow, look, he was right. Vegas is way fresher. It's going to be one of those things where in like game five or six, if we go to overtime – one guy just is like a step slow or the goalie just isn't quite there. There's going to be something weird and something small is my take on it that, uh, you know, that trickles into meaning more in that series. And I think it's, I think fatigue is going to have a lot to do with it, but that's just me.
0: Without a conference championship because of COVID, I know, I, I know there's an answer here. I just don't know what it is. There's some reason why they had these two teams playing these two teams. And did they intentionally position it so that the lightning could eventually meet up with the Islanders I no. saw so the Lightning and the, uh, the, the Vegas Knights in the final. Like, wh- why did the, the Islanders play the, um, the Lightning rather than the Golden Knights? I guess is my yeah. question.
1: Yeah, so the first two rounds were strictly within division for the year. So the yep. first two rounds, we had all the teams playing, the same teams they yep. played all season. And then the determination was way before once we got out of the second round into the third round, what we're calling the conference finals, they would be a reseed based on regular season record. Ah, so got we it. weren't gonna know who played who and what seeds were which until those round two series ended, because again, it. it's based on regular season records. So, so that's so the reseed happened. That's the way that the the matchups went the way that they did.
0: And I would I would then assume that the uh, the Golden Knights had the best record, therefore oh, the they were the four. one seed, yep. and the Canadians yep. were the four seed.
1: Exactly. Yep. And they had the worst record. They were the four, and then the the Isles and the Bolts um, were two and three. Got it. Or three okay. and two, I guess, respectively. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about Canada because I, or I guess the Canadians. I want to say it's yeah. funny to like. You can talk about it's all the syrup, yeah. Mounties, oh yeah.
1: maple syrup, toonies, colorful money. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about all. Yeah,
0: there's so many lakes. It's like the Midwest, <laughs> like, but it's just all. I guess for me, my, my impression of Canada is it's Wisconsin and Minnesota, but like stretched coast to coast and north <laughs> because there's so many. It's so generalized, but I know a little bit about Quebec. Quebec, how many lakes there are? Anyway, I'm so sorry. I get sidetracked. I
1: I like that. I like the free-flowing nature of
0: it. How did the Montreal Canadiens not just beat the Winnipeg Jets, but sweep them in four games? I'm like, that's... I I, I thought, minimum, we're playing Connor Hellebuck, this great goalie. They're going to win one game. I, I never
1: saw a sweep coming here. How did that happen? I sat watching these games... And I'm in a group chat with a couple of really good friends of mine who are lifelong hockey fans, more so. Yeah. I mean, I, I picked up this sport less than 10 years ago, and these are guys that have watched forever. And we're sitting here just pouring over how this series went the way it did. Because, like, we gotta be real about it. Like, Winnipeg's gotta, gotta again, and I, I, there are people that have responded to me saying that Connor Hellebuck's the best goalie on Earth, and they disagree with me. I'm gonna hold strong on my stance despite how this series went. Winnipeg's not a phenomenal team their defense is quite average it's very pedestrian they yeah. didn't get the the proverbial run support that the, that you need um and they give up a lot of high danger chances and you can look at this the stats back this up i you know you look at the raw the raw box scores and you think man hellebuck wasn't there they gave up a tremendous amount of uh, of high danger chances to um to montreal montreal led all round there were eight teams in round two Montreal led all teams by an overwhelmingly huge, massive percent of high danger chances for of all high danger chances in a game. Montreal had 63% of them. Two of every three high danger chance went to Montreal. It doesn't matter mm. who's in net. You could have any, pick a goalie. Like it, it doesn't matter. It's hard to win games. It's hard to win games when this defense is giving up that many goals. And when, and then if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to say, fine, we're just going to turn this into a track meet, you better be scoring goals. And they didn't, Really do that either?
0: Well, I want to defend Connor Hellebust to because
1: six goals. Like, yeah, what, oh the, yeah, what do you well, do? He shut that? down
0: McDavid, and that. I mean, I, do you remember when he shut down Connor McDavid? It's like that. Yeah. It's not like he's bad, but he can't control what happens in front of him. The goalie can't control the defense in front of him and how many opportunities come his way. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was it was and and it was a third. This is not a series um i think that you can boil down to luck and when it comes to luck i have Mm. more on that in a different series i'll I'll tease that right now um this is not a series i think that you can boil um that you can boil down to luck winnipeg got outplayed their expected goals for were only eight Mm. which is which is terrible frankly and they underperformed that even they only scored six their expected goals against was 14 and that's what they gave up i think hellebuck could he have stolen a game or two? I mean maybe, but like at what point do you stop leaning on the one guy who literally can't play offense to win you an entire game? I like guess yeah. you got to score some goals, you got to play as a team, you got to go out there and you got to do better. And I thought he played fine. hellebuck did. I really did. I well, I don't know what you do. I think I thought Winnipeg just was flat. I thought they stopped playing. Um they didn't get high danger chances. They didn't even really get any chances, frankly. I was looking through the entire postseason and uh, heading into heading, I guess, leaving round two. Connor Hellebuck was the only goalie in the postseason to not allow a goal on a low danger chance or a medium danger chance. He was literally only letting goals in when the team just (laughs) collapsed on him. Wow. That's unbelievable. It's like, what do you do? Like, what do you got to do? That's that's the question I would pose. What do you and if if he's in the locker room, he and I'm sure. You know I've seen Hellebuck talk. He seems like he's a great guy. He seems like he's a team guy. But I know that when he's you know when he's at home playing golf, not in the postseason right now, he's got to be thinking what do I got to do.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I remember I, the no first time. Him. I remember the first time we talked hockey, whether whether it was you or Nathan Shield, I don't remember, but I, I remember being introduced to Connor Hellebuck and talking to you about the notion that, and you said at some point they're going to renew a, a, a point where they can't be carried by Connor Hellebuck anymore. Like at and some point, point, this is going to
1: end. Yep. And that's, this is precisely where it ended. Game one of this series is where it ended. Yeah. You need help. And you, it's you, tragic for them. And, and, and on, and conversely too, like, I don't want this to be like a, I, I feel like I've spent a lot of time poo-pooing Montreal and that's totally not what I want to do because Carrie Price, again, the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens, he's been out of his mind. He's mm. played tremendously, so I don't want to just say Winnipeg only scored six goals. Why? you Got to be better. Carey Price had a lot to do with that. That mm. Montreal team had a lot to do with that. They came in with a game plan. They clearly were better in that series. They knew what they wanted to do. They had an identity. They showed up, and that's what it takes, you know. In here, everybody's everybody in the National Hockey League is a, is an amazing hockey player. You got to show up. You got to work hard. You got to do your job. And Montreal just did a better job of that, and it had, and it translated to great success over four games, and it never looked I mean despite what this you know the it it ended only 20 goals were scored in that series I guess over four games that's kind of a lot but it was 14 to 6 in goal differential over the series and it didn't even seem that close It just that Winnipeg just didn't want to be there I don't and I don't get it well I
0: appreciate you giving because it's really easy to focus on one team and not the other I appreciate you giving some also respect and some praise to Montreal for their effort too um, I do want to ask you. You mentioned you, you kind of gave a tease about stealing luck. What, what, yeah. What, what? Sorry, luck. Thank you. Yeah. It was. I knew there was something you mentioned. I'm like, yeah. Well, I got to ask about that. So, what, who got lucky? What happened there?
1: So that would require a transition. We'll head over to the uh, the Islanders Boston series, and I actually mentioned at the at the end of our last show, I believe it was. That I felt Boston was going to win because I think that the Islanders were um, subject, while being a great team, who I've talked a lot of, po- who have talked positively a lot about. I think they were the beneficiaries of some luck um, hmm. in their first round series, and I think that that continued. Actually, I, I, despite their win, um, you look at statistics. So there's this stat. There's a, and people are probably going to be tired of me mentioning all these like crazy like acronyms and stuff. But there's this con- there's this stat there's a statistic called PDO. PDO means nothing. The letters PDO they're literally meaningless.
0: <laughs> Why did they choose PDO? then?
1: do you know? It's it's a, it was a it was a, a guy on a Counter Strike forum. <laughs> of course. And his username had something to do with the letters PDO, and he comes up with this formula and this and this crazy formula. It's not that crazy at all. Is literally just the sum of. Um, you're like it, it's sum of shots and, and saves in a percentage. So basically what it does is it ends up being even because every it's every it's even strength. So it's five on five only. And it's the sum of a, of a team's shooting percentage. So shots that turn into goals and it's mm-hmm. save percentage um, shots on goal that are saved Got because it. every goal that is scored in the NHL has an effect on a shooting percentage for one team and a save percentage for the other it's always going to come out to 100 because every shot was not a save and every save was not a goal right that yeah. makes sense yep. so pdo attempts and it's not always great but pdo attempts to measure luck it says okay if 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 the league average if every team's going to round out to to 100 or 1 or however you do the math it's going to be you know one essentially a team above 1 might be a little bit lucky and they might not be right like again it's not perfect but the first thing you look at with PDO is if it's over one team's probably a little bit lucky if it's under one team's probably hitting some bad luck right and then teams that are bad are going to be lower teams that are going are to be higher it's because good teams make their own luck bad teams can't do that it goes on yeah the Islanders led the eight teams in the playoffs in PDO in their second round series and because again it sums evenly Boston had the lowest PDO so that right there is a measure that you could say, well, in in some way, the Islanders' luck continued. They just, for whatever reason, managed to to get a lot of bounces. They were opportunistic. That's kind of a kind of a calling card of that team is their opportunistic abilities, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing. That's not a lucky thing. That's what makes good teams good. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, um, I didn't think the Boston goaltending was able to steal games, uh, which is kind of what you need when a team's running hot like that. Tuka Rask, he's like the most controversial Bruin. Because half the <laughs> half the uh, half the fans want him out always, and half the fans will just die for the man. Yeah. Uh, so he's he, goalies get scapegoated a lot, but he's especially in that situation. Um, Boston dominated possession. There's um, there's possession metrics in the NHL, and they and they attempt to use shots and shot attempts to uh, see who possessed the puck more in meaningful you know cha- in meaningful times, high leverage situations. Boston dominated. Boston dominated possession metrics. They were statistically unlucky. Their roster was incredible. And again, I've talked a lot of positive stuff about the Islanders. I think they're a great team. I think they deserve to be where they are in some way. But I don't think, Zach, that you can walk away from that series and it's 4-2 Isles and you think that, you know, wow, 4-2, this this is a better team. Um, I'm not a Boston fan either. Like, I don't don't even really particularly like Boston secretly. I I don't care for them. But – I think they're better, and I think you run this series back a few more times. I think you see that. But that said, um, shout out to the Islanders. They did a great job. They're going to give Tampa Bay a tough series because again, they play that opportunistic style that might show up on the stat sheet as being you know lucky. I've, I just went over it, so I believe in it to some extent. Yeah. But I think that's just kind of the way they play. They 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 they, they take advantage of the chances they get. Um, getting those chances, you could you know argue come in in certain ways that might not be always of their doing, but that's just getting into the weeds. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to poo poo these teams too much, but uh, that's kind of where I was going with regards to luck is it seems like there's a lot here based on Boston's possessions, based on Mm. New York's just their, their PDO stuff. There's a, there's a case to make here that the absolute, better team might not have won and i don't come away from the series thinking i know who the better team is necessarily so that's not to say hey boston should have won because maybe yeah. they shouldn't have but i just i can't definitively say like you usually can with a 4-2 series so that's where that's at
0: so you step back and you go well boston are these great numbers but then you look at pdo and go the islanders got what so i, I want to ask about pdo because i'm curious is it is it it's a percentage of shots and percentage of saves and then kind of combining them
1: it's summed yeah so exactly so the so it's if a team and and like a
0: is it kind of like point differential in the nba where there's input and output
1: kind of yeah but it's more so um there's not really a great comparison because there's not like a there's no concept outside of soccer there's no concept of like saves like there's not mm, one yeah. guy like Directly taking the the, the points away in, in the same fashion. Well, it could be but, like
0: passes so, defended, maybe. Kinda, but that's the yeah, only thing. Kind
1: of, but that's even subjective, right? Sometimes, like, yeah. Did the ball get overthrown? Did it get defended? Like, what happened? This is, and that's why because it saves are yes
0: no. It's like you did save it or you didn't exactly.
1: But that, but that yes no is what lends it to not being perfect because it lacks all context. It lacks ah. all nuance. It lacks all like I'm watching the game. This is what happened, which is kind of the op the antithesis of what I tried to say with this with the this thing. The box store and what happened on the ice are such wildly different things, in m- to my eyes. I'm a fairly experienced viewer of this game. I like to think, and it's a very different thing. So, I you know, and and that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I mentioned this this group of buddies that I talked to earlier. I think, and we came to this consensus that it was like a come to jesus moment for me because i've I, I i love advanced analytics in sports i love mathing sports i love Moneyball. i love all this stuff and a lot of people don't and that's okay i get why you, i get why someone wouldn't but this is all stuff i really like and in a lot of sports baseball especially basketball football to a lesser extent you can kind of play games out on a spreadsheet and get a good idea what's going to happen sometimes oh, yeah. yep like i said baseball especially um, I think that in the case of hockey, because of how the game is played, because of the tempo, because of the style of the game, um, and because of where we are as an analytics community within the sport, I don't think that you can look at these numbers and, and make them predictive. I think you can make them um, like explanatory. Like I can, they can look tell at a this story. Stuff, I can look at this stuff and I can tell you this is what happened. But after mm. how this round two went, I don't think I could look at the stuff. I don't think I could. I don't think anybody could look at like just these numbers and tell you what's going to happen. They're very great at explaining what happened. I think they're basically useless as in terms of telling you what will happen. And that's why you got to watch. And that's what Mm. makes this fun, right? Yeah. But this was my crazy moment because I'm watching this Winnipeg team that just so clearly should be better because of their goaltending and a little bit because of their roster. I think their roster actually is better, but they didn't really play like it. Um, you know, in those four games, which you know, what does that mean? I guess we could ask, but um yeah, it was crazy. Like it was the, that's that's the story I kind of alluded to earlier. I'm sitting here watching these games, and it's just like this crazy moment that I've had. I've been into these into these these numbers since I started watching this game because that's where my brain goes when I when I watch sports. It's like, okay, well, how can we you know how can we put this you know how can we make this ones and zeros? And it's well, like you just can't. About, yeah. You just can't. Like you, this is no. such a chaotic game. You just you can't do it. So that's like it was like whoa. So this is just me on a soapbox now about this crazy like revelation that I had. But that's really where we're at.
0: Well, I, th- I think it's important. I, if you listen to my show, um, first of all, I, I'm, I try to be self-aware. People watch me and listen to me mostly for football, and yep. then I dabble in other stuff, racing and basketball and mm-hmm. hockey. But I, I love sports in general. I cover everything I can. But it, it, I played quarterback in college, and I hated when you throw an interception, which gives me a negative stat when a guy ran the wrong route. Or the ball bounced off my receiver's face mask, popped in the air, and got intercepted. I'm like, that's not my fault, even though the stats would say it's not. And so my philosophy on the show has always been, let's. I always say numbers lie, but that's not true. It's that simple numbers lie. So if you look at just the, the most basic numbers and say, he had a lot of interceptions, he had a lot of, you know, this, that doesn't necessarily tell the story, but advanced analytics are usually a step further. I've just never taken that step into it. Sim- uh, simple in, numbers in, lie,
1: like you said, but also, I like, sorry to cut you off. Simple oh, yeah, numbers, yeah. simple numbers do lie. I think what lies even more than because sometimes you look at you know like like baseball. If I'm looking at a guy's batting average and dude's hitting like 320, that's just a good player. Like, sorry, yeah, I, you know, maybe yeah. you know, maybe oh, he yeah. plays in Colorado, but that's just a good player, right? So simple numbers don't always lie. I don't think, but they do a lot. What I think lies more than simple numbers is numbers devoid of context and yeah. numbers devoid of like nuance. And that's why I think that the analytics community in every sport gets what is a fair share of their own like hate, I guess I'll say to put it kind of crass. It's because a lot of these people do try to just play games on spreadsheets and it doesn't work that way. And baseball yeah. is as close as we have and baseball is as close as we're probably going to get. And that's why baseball I think is not doing so well. And for a lot of other reasons. And now it's well, just become a baseball hate podcast because we've mentioned it twice <laughs> now in like a half hour. But well, still, I, would, like, I would
0: also argue if I may though, that yeah, baseball, hockey, basketball the sample size is way bigger if you played 82 football games then the stats wouldn't lie so much because it'd be very obvious oh this guy's because it'd be more numbers and more opportunities but when you look at one football game and you say he had four interceptions and all four bounced off the receiver's helmet then you go that's actually in the one opportunity in that small sample size it's a lie so the more games you play and the more opportunities you have the less the statistics do
1: and I'm, sure, and I'm sure that there's, and I'm not sure if I've seen it publicly, but I'm sure that there are, I mean, every team's got their own analytics department. If, a, if, a, if, a, if you throw a perfect pass and it bounces off the face mask, it gets picked off the 45-yard line. <laughs> I'm sure there's a direct equation and a formula to tell you over infinite chances how many points you're going to expect to allow as a result of that specific play happening. So that happens four times in a game, and there's going to be some sum of points. It's probably not small. That's going to be. This is what happened because of that. Now that's not that quarterback's fault at all. If it bounced yeah. off his, his receiver's face mask four times, but I and but you make a good point about about variance because I think that I think that football and basketball are the two highest are 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 two. Um, I don't want to say high variance because they're not necessarily, but I think that when you have a, either a lot of scoring, which is what you see in basketball, or few games, which is what you see in football, you have a natural tendency to create something that's. Kind of high variance, whereas when you look at stuff like hockey, and uh, it's, and I've already, I'm almost tripping over myself because you don't want to say hockey's high variance because it's not. But there's it's it's more meaningful. How do you like, define I'm high variance?
0: The, the what does that mean to you? There's uh, a you lot know, of variables.
1: Yeah, it's that. But game to game, a lot of different stuff's going to happen. Mm, yeah, and typically it's thought of as games that are very high scoring because, um, or very sorry, very low scoring because the scoring events happen so infrequently all it takes is a couple of weird things to happen for a result to change. It could be a one-nothing hockey game and the better team is winning and a couple of weird bounces go a certain way. Now it's a 2-1 game. And then if you don't get that same luck on the other end, this game ended 2-1 and the better team just lost. Whereas in like basketball, each team is going to get 110 possessions. So the idea is over the course of those possessions, the better team is going to win out. But I almost think that because of the game's pace and because of where that specific sport is now, the variance has increased to levels that it hasn't before. And I think that, you know, I I think that we're just in a weird place in general, the sports analytics and what it means. And with hockey's combination of speed and low scoring, you know, aspects and, the -the on-the-fly changes, and the fact that the game hasn't been super quick to adapt to this new way of looking at stuff. We're in a weird place with analytics in hockey because we're not quite sure exactly what this stuff means. Is it prescriptive? Is it descriptive? Is it neither? Is it both? I don't, you know, we don't know. But we can watch the games and enjoy it. That's what I'm doing at this point.
0: Well, here's the last thing I'll say about it because we've been talking about stats now for like 10 minutes. But I, (laughs) I remember sitting in college watching film, and my coach would be like, that's a good decision. That's a good, accurate throw. He dropped the ball. But y- me, I did my job right. I get a plus yeah. even if the the outcome wasn't good. You can't just look at the outcome. And I know that when Connor Hellebuck looks back at his last series and goes, watches film, he goes, that's good, that's good, that's good. So you have to read between the stats, kind of like reading between the lines where the numbers might say, ah, you lost and you you got swept in four games. But you say, well, and that's why advanced analytics matter. You, you gave up no – Everything that was low risk and low, what's the, what's the word you use? Danger, um, low and medium danger. Lo, lo, low and medium danger, you stopped everything. It's only when you had no help and no shot did you give up points.
1: And then even when, even, even when he did have no help and no shot, he's still making saves. Not all yeah. of them. Clearly not enough, but he's still balling out. That's yeah. what the old adage with a goaltender is. You need, ha- you need to make all the saves you should and half the ones you shouldn't. If you mm. can do that... You're gonna put yourself in a good spot to win. Usually, that's fairly true. But usually, your team's gonna score some goals, and Real Page just decided they wouldn't do that anymore. And usually, half of those high danger chances still only means a few goals, not a bunch. So it's you know that's yeah. the adage, and that usually, like I said, that usually rings pretty true. I think in in my experience watching, you save all the ones you shouldn't, half the ones you shouldn't. You're putting your team in a good spot. Hellebuck did that, I think, and still wasn't wasn't in the position to do it. But because of the nature of the position, because you're the goaltender, because everybody thinks that if you give up – and there's always going to be a contingent of fans that if you give up one goal, you suck, and we need to trade you. It's the nature of how things go, and it sucks for guys like that who play out of their mind and are going to be met with you know criticism because the, the 23 guys in front of them just stopped.
0: I want to say, last thing, I, I think that advanced analytics absolutely have their place. Um, Brett Coleman is a, a football analyst who uses yeah. advanced analytics – in an incredibly valuable way, yeah. And so when you look at hockey, the mo- when you use advanced analytics, which are not the basic baseline stuff, there's a lot of value there that can be used to tell the story of what happened. So I, I've, I hope you know, I've got no problem with you ever, I, and no, I, I know you I know. want you yeah. to use that stuff because it is valuable. I don't know how to use it, but I, I know you do, and so I really think there's value there. That's, and I, I want yeah, you to never shy away from it.
1: Yeah, no, I I, 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 refuse to. I think it's, it's, it's recently it's part of uh, you know recently in the it's last, modern hockey. You know, years it's modern sports I think I think you're just denying Mm. it if if you say that it's not and 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 again I understand anybody's hesitancy for just like going all in because I don't go all in no one should ever go all in on this (laughs) right again like the game's got to get played but there's a spot for it but I think like I said it's it's going to be more useful until we get better technology puck tracking player tracking really hard hitting stuff that we're starting to see in basketball a little bit um, hmm. until we get to that and baseball because that game is played so slow you can just you can chart everything yeah um, until we get to that point with hockey it's going to be a more effective um, way to tell a past story than to predict the next one
0: my favorite thing about the, the islanders and the bruins is that you have new york and boston and you have new york playing their last run in their building they play in yeah we talked about that last yep. last episode and how Like for them to beat kind of, which Boston, New York have become, there's a rivalry there between these two cities. And if you talk to New Yorkers, they'll downplay it. If you talk to Boston, they'll downplay it. But if you don't live in Boston or New York, everyone perks up their ears a little bit when you hear, oh, the Red Sox and the Yankees. Oh, the Celtics and the Knicks, the Celtics and the Nets, or, you know, the Islanders and the Bruins. So me from the outside was like, ah, it's awesome. And then you add the extra benefit of, man, it's that final run in this building that the Islanders play in.
1: It helps when they're good. That's yeah, and it's the it's it's the final the final run. It, you mentioned Red Sox Yankees, and that felt like it was a, a rivalry that you know the best rivalry in sports. And I wouldn't I wouldn't discredit that. I think it's true, but that's a rivalry that um, you know after the Red Sox early two thousand success, when they weren't quite what they were, and then as of late, when the Yankees haven't quite been what they were during this Red Sox kind of recent foray into more success, it feels like this rivalry wasn't quite as important as it was like back in the day. It's one sided. Um, it's it, and it's not as fun, right? It's just it's it doesn't matter if it's a local rivalry like between high schools or colleges or you know a professional sports rivalry. The rivalry is so much more intense when both teams are good or when both teams are bad. But <laughs> now that we have you know we had this Islanders Boston thing, two teams really good, and you know what, man, I, I don't know how many minutes of that series you watched. No love lost, and I loved every second of it.
0: Well, I was watching the the crowd is what excites me because I've been watching yeah. the. Uh, I I watched the Atlanta Hawks New York Knicks series and I forgot how much I missed having a crowd in sports. Like we we've had like a year without crowds and I'm watching the Madison square garden and Trey young, like there's a F you Trey young and like, dang, that's so fun. And I, I, I admit like, so I haven't, I watched barely any of round two of the NHL playoffs. I was moving. I was in, you course, know, across yeah. the ocean. All I was doing was checking box scores going, oh, that's exciting, like getting pumped up and not watching. Yeah. So I ask you, did you watch, and was there a crowd, and was the crowd fun to watch? Was it a part of the series?
1: Postseason hockey crowds in general are so – Outrageous! Like you can't mm-hmm. even. I've I've actually because of just geography and not having yeah. teams locally, I've never actually been to an NHL postseason game, but I've been to a lot of packed houses for junior hockey playoff games. And while it's not the same because there's less people and because it's just not quite doesn't mean the same thing because it's not the NHL, yeah. it's you know juniors. I can say that being in that crowd of you know nine thousand people for a junior team is absolutely electric, and it absolutely does turn series so when you magnify that by you know two three times and then you add the meaning of the stanley cup this heralded so difficult to win you know century-old trophy um it it's everything it truly like it's the way that the crowd explodes over everything like 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 routine saves that you wouldn't think twice about in the middle of like december are met with roarous applause <laughs>
0: People are happy. They're excited. There's excitement in the in the room.
1: Well, and you feel it. Like you know, if it, it, it breeds itself, the, you get the ball rolling. It stays rolling. Um, Nashville, a couple of years back, started chanting at goalies, saying awful things to goalies. Like they, I mean, there was like you know, I love would, that stuff. They would count goals. If 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 the opposing goalie had a bad game and you know, he allowed five or six, Nashville would start counting one, two, three, and they would just let it. And all and there were points where like in near the end of series when things were kind of starting to boil over they would chant like that for like the entire third period and that's all it would be it was and it was and it's like what do you do about that well if you if you're the goalie you're sitting there you know you've got a sunburn from the red light being on your on your back so much from from goals and yeah how do you not feel demoralized how do you not feel down after that and the only thing you can hope is that your home crowd is going to bring it the same way but NHL playoff crowds are something special. They're something different. I highly encourage anybody listening. I encourage you, Zach, whenever you can make it out to an NHL playoff game, um, do it.
0: Well, I, I know. I've, I've told you. If, if I go to one, you're coming with me. That's my my. – I'll love make to. that happen. I What I think would be so cool is if the Islanders could even, – even getting to a Stanley Cup like, would be so cool to have that building – one last time to go to the Stanley Cup Finals mm-hmm. would be like unbelievable. I just know, like, oh, man. And then if they want, they probably won't win, even if they get there. But they just the fact that they might would, is so exciting to me. And I think I, I think to answer, I asked you a question earlier. What team are you rooting for? I'm definitely rooting for the Islanders. I think it'd be so cool to see them do that in this moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, and what's so what's cool for the Islanders specifically is that they've got a lot of old school fans because. It was quiet for them for a long time. Um, They haven't won a division championship since, like, 88. Mm. Like, they haven't been good in a long time. They just haven't been. But throughout this entire tenure, the entire time, short of that one season, they played in Nassau Coliseum. That team, once upon a time, won four Stanley Cups in a row in the the late late 70s and early 80s. I didn't know that. This is a team that, again, in its time, um, was something absolutely special a dynasty i mean four cups in a row four titles in a row it doesn't get much more dynastic than that that was a dynasty and a lot of these old school islanders fans who watched that dynasty take place when they were young in the late in the early 80s who have had to struggle by and large through you know a lot of tough lean times are now back in that building full crowd we're here and they're doing it again they're trying to do it again they're not gonna win four in a row they might not win one in a row but you still they're back that Energies in the air the same way I'm sure that it was, um, you know, 40 years ago.
0: I want to now talk about the thing that the shock of the second round of the NHL playoffs to me was that the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Colorado Avalanche in six games. They won four to two. I was I, I remember watching what was happening. You know, as it happened, I'm just looking at my phone, the, the ESPN app, going, I can't believe. That I remember when it was three to two, I was like, I can't believe that we're playing an elimination game where the Avalanche could be sent home. Yeah. Let alone the fact that they did get sent home. How did you feel watching that series? And am I, did you feel the same way I do? I'm like, I just can't believe that happened.
1: It felt like whiplash because this was a series <laughs> that you felt like was going to go back and forth, and it went six games. So it's not like it was mm-hmm. quick, but it's yeah. the nature of how those six games went. Um, Colorado comes out flying in game one. They win 7-1 against the backup yep. goaltender. And you think we talked about that. I remember that. We day. did. Yeah. Because we recorded the, d- the day after that, that, that had happened. And you, and you look at it and it's like, whoa, okay. 7-1 Colorado's not playing around Vegas. is only one game, but you're going to have to come, you know, correct, uh, you know, for game two. And it was much closer. Game went to overtime. It was one of two overtime games in that series, but Colorado wins that too. And now at 2-0, this is a problem for Vegas like i mean the 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 numbers are easily googleable When yeah. you go down 2-0 in a hockey series it's you not looking win good for, it's not looking a, good for yeah. you yeah you got you got to win you got to win 4 before they win 2 that's hard to do and Vegas went all in and doubled that and said hey we're going to win bef- we're going to win 4 before they win anything they won 4 straight
0: against which and arguably people were saying was the best team in the NHL.
1: I said it. I mean, I, I a said A lot of it. people did.
0: Everybody I, told me that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and two of them were close. Game 3 and Game 5 were one dual games. Game 5 was the second overtime game of the series, but games 4 and 6 were not particularly close. I know what Game 4 ended 5-1, Game 6 ended six, 6-3. I can't remember what the top had. I'm sure there was some empty netters in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, so you know, it wouldn't it wasn't as drastic as that. It's, but it's just so hard to beat still. a team
0: four times in a row. That that to me and then the fact they did it against that team. I mean, you yeah. you see a sweep. It felt like they swept them the way it went down. And I remember watching one like, a game, game. Oh, they won in overtime. I just remember feeling like, I can't believe this. I can't, you know, I just... And do you, is it in... How much does overtime matter to you? Like, does it, is there something about the fact that the Avalanche, when it mattered in overtime, couldn't make it happen? Was it that they didn't play enough games like that all year? Like, what? how did that... I mean, they, I won just don't understand. they won
1: game two in overtime, so it's not like they were incapable, but I think that, um, you know, honestly, I'm not sure what it was. I, it's hard to say. It's hard to play, you know, armchair psychologist and say this is what happened. I think that what had something to do with it was the fact that you win the first two games, and the second one you win in overtime, so you're not feeling, you know, great about it, like you are the 7-1 victory, but you go into game three, and you lose by a goal. You lose 3-2, um, and, yeah, you know, it's... Okay, it's a loss. We're still up two one. It was only a one gold game. You know, it is what it is, we'll be fine. And then game four you get spanked. And just like that, we're two to two. Vegas is riding all of the momentum. And it's hard to climb back from that. There's this its ice tilt, right? That's what they talk about. It's you know, think about the ice flat surface. If it's tilted, one team's gonna be going really, really fast, one <laughs> team's gonna be climbing uphill. Yeah. Same deal there's There's a level of of tilt that felt like happened after game four when Vegas wins that game big and then it's and then Colorado's visibly on their heels and game Five goes to overtime. Colorado loses in fifty seconds and they 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 had a great and that's that's the crazy part about playoff hockey though right like that game goes to overtime Colorado like fifteen seconds in gets a tremendous chance on the net like a big rebound. Pops right out in front to a shooter. I can't remember who it was. And they have a great look on the net to bury this thing and go up three to two headed to game six. And who knows what conversation we're having now if that happens. They can't score that. And then not thirty seconds later, a bad change from a Colorado defenseman, I think it was Gerard, and and Mark Stone's burying the game winner. And we're and it's three to two. And then after that, it feels like going back to Vegas, going back to game six. I haven't seen a playoff game in Vegas, but I've seen a regular season game in Vegas, and that crowd is bonkers so, <laughs> so going back to t-mobile arena in vegas for game six riding all the momentum you've won three straight you're about to close it out it felt difficult to imagine a scenario that colorado manages to take care of this and sure enough vegas came out they played a great game
0: well it's so fun to look back to i remember i read the comments on everything i put out i, I try not to but i still do especially when it's hockey it's hard not to and I, I i just want to hear what people have to say about hockey i feel like i'm just a am a newbie who's learning and trying to take on the information and i for sure I remember when the Avalanche uh, won game one of that series, 7-1, to Mm -hmm. against a backup goalie. And you were like the only person going, that was the right move, like good decision. A lot of people were like ready to fire the coach and were angry. And how could you and what idiocy? It's funny to look back now, you know, um, Golden Knights fans were so mad. And there was so much, you know, anger and vitriol there. To look back and go, it, none of it mattered. They won. Like it's so funny to me to revisit that. It's like revisiting a trade when you're like, none people of people were mad about it,
1: and your starting goaltender got a day off. Yeah, it's like it, like there's. If it, I wish that I could, I wish I had a time machine. I go back to every to every Vegas fan that was so upset, and I wish I could say, <laughs> "Hey, listen, you guys won the series, and Fleury got a game off." And they would say, "Oh, like it."
0: Hindsight was, 2020. You look back, go, "Oh, it's actually worked out for the best for us."
1: It did. And that's and that's I, I made that I went on that long diatribe that mm-hmm. episode about playing the result. And I think the people did that. And now it's easy for me to do that exact same thing and go back and say, well, hey, guys, look, guess what? It worked out. That's kind of me doing that. But at least we know what actually happened and not what might happen, which is what Sky is Falling uh, Chicken Little Vegas fans were saying that day was what if this happens? OK, it didn't. Fine. Like you guys are fine.
0: What? But you never talked about the po- I remember at the time you never mentioned the possible result. You said. The decision making is sound to give your guy a night off, or because you, you could play him in game one, have him be tired, and you might lose anyway. It's better to just accept the loss, rest your guy so that you're good for the rest of the series, which they really needed. They had multiple course. overtime games.
1: Yeah. And when you got Robin Leonard, who, like I said, is a Cadillac level backup goalie who would yeah. start on a lot of teams, you don't feel like you're going into game one punting. You really feel like if you're Vegas with this team you have with a great backup goaltender, like you're going to go in and win that game. Like you don't feel like you're. Like, you're taking a step back. Now, it ended 7-1. That's not what you'd like to see, you know, at all. But I don't think Vegas goes into that game thinking, well, you know what? This is a necessary sacrifice. They went not trying to win that game, and they got shelled. But it didn't matter.
0: Uh, how about the Tampa Bay Lightning? They beat the Carolina Hurricanes in five games, 4 to one um, we talked about how they kind of uh, kind of abused the salary cap to their advantage. Say it out um, loud; they
1: abused it, and, and like and like and, you, I'm here but for it.
0: I love it because it's they found a loophole, they used it to their advantage. They're probably, I would think, the favorite to win the Stanley Cup final at this point. Uh, do you have any insight from that series, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes? Uh,
1: you know, it went five. The Carolina <laughs> the Carolina win was an overtime game. Yeah, um, it wasn't like a like an outrageous beatdown. I mean, yeah. three of the games ended in a one goal deficit, and then one of them ended with a two and two or, uh, and the other two ended with a two goal deficit. So it's not like these are these are you know beatdowns, so to say. I don't know if you saw Zach the uh, the game five of that series. It ended six to four, and it featured. One of the all-time second periods. Eight goals were scored in the second period. That's wild.
0: I I Uh, did not see that. That's wild. I just saw the final score.
1: Carolina scored in the start of the second period. They scored two goals 39 seconds apart. Um, (laughs) Tampa responds less than five minutes later. Uh, Not one minute later, Carolina responds with another. Then two minutes later, Carolina scores again. Then Tampa ends the period in the final uh, 522 of the period. Scores three times. So... (laughs)
0: I should I should go back and watch that just because that sounds like really fun to watch. I actually (laughs) I will tonight just because I I, I don't give a crap. I might as well go back and watch. It sounds amazing.
1: It was again. It was like an all timer. I mean, there's eight goals in 20 minutes. What's the average on that? Like there's a goal every two and a half minutes, every three minutes. So it's just it's all it's like lacrosse. Like it's always happening. It's just going 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 going. going. And uh, that was that's like watching
0: an inning in baseball where they score like 10 runs. It's that kind of moment, like, really. Yeah, like, That's it's like, when you, awesome. it's
1: like when you bat around, like when, when yeah. the entire lineup uh-huh. bats in an inning. But I mean, they, we, we played in the, the same baseball team growing up, by the way. We yeah. did do that. Yep. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I got hit a lot. Um, <laughs> you were and, a catcher it, too, right? I was, yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but it wasn't even like it was. It was like somehow both teams bat around in their in their half the inning because like each team scored four times. It wasn't even like a demolition yeah. derby in that in that second frame. Both teams were going crazy. So. It was it was just tremendous. It was so it was it was playoff hockey exemplified because sometimes it's these crazy eight goal periods, not very often, and sometimes it's you know goalie battles where it's like a one nothing game, but it's the most exciting one nothing game you've ever seen. And this was just kind of one flavor of the many of quintessential playoff hockey. You get a six four mm-hmm. game where that second period is just is bananas.
0: Yeah, I so other so game five second period. I got to go back and watch that. It's funny. Weird aside. I always want to call them quarters, which I know Sorry, you can't have four. three game quarters. Four. Sorry about that. Game, oh, game four. four. Game four. Game
1: four periods. I think I screwed up okay. there. Game four, second period.
0: Okay. I- I'm going to go watch that because that sounds amazing. Uh, but I do know I- – I can't be the only one. That's I- how I know I'm not a math major. I always want to say the three quarters, and it's quarters. that's ma- completely wrong. It's why they call them periods because you can't have quarters uh, broken up into three. Um, I do I- – I'm curious because as I-, as I look back on the series um, – Normally, a sweep isn't that compelling. Um, Like in the NBA, the Bucks swept the Heat, and it's like not compelling. I don't give a dang at all because it's like that's not. I don't care. But for some reason, I thought that you know the Montreal Canadiens sweeping the uh, the Jets in four games was incredibly compelling. I'm like, I can't. It's a shock to me. And then the Islanders and Bruins in six, the Golden Knights Avalanche in six. Those are fun series for me. When I look back on round two, Tampa Bay beating Carolina in five games was the least compelling series do you is that an outrageous
1: statement no i would agree because the other two the two games that went six as you mentioned both had their own storylines within the game but the games themselves also created fun storylines yeah. it goes six games you know both teams are winning games there it's competitive the uh the built-in storyline to the sweep on, on the western side of things is shock shock right like it's a four it's a sweep it's 4-0 but it's shock it's question marks it's like whoa so that's the storyline that you have built in there but I agree with you in that the Tampa Bay Carolina series, the games while they were competitive, they weren't short of again that one twenty minute frame where things pop off. Um, the games weren't quite competitive. I don't think they were quite like chippy enough or quite physically hmm. intense enough. And I don't think that there was enough built in storyline between the two teams to make that series an incredibly intriguing watch, especially if you're you know if you are. Uh, kind of a, a a casual hockey fan who will catch the big games or who will catch you know the end of games. This that seems yeah. probably the least intriguing to you. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with your assertion on that.
0: Well, I gotta ask too. You know, as I look at um, Boston got sent home and I go, oh, I'm curious about Boston's future. And Colorado got sent home. I'm like, wow, like I I'm really curious what's next for the Colorado Avalanche and the Winnipeg Jets. What's next for them? But I don't have that same intrigue with Carolina. I don't really. I don't have a lot of hope for them moving forward. I don't have a lot of. I mean, they're they're a fine team. They're they're a playoff team. Good for them. Do you have a lot of? Is that possible too? That Carolina isn't that interesting because I just they they're the team that got knocked out. That I'm like,
1: eh. It's funny because Carolina, um, not so long ago, created like their own um, kerfuffle. I guess I'll say, Um, they. As part of kind of a team identity rebranding, they started doing what they called the Storm Surge, I believe they called it. Are you Have you heard about this at all? I have not, no. So the Storm Surge was a thing that, that the Hurricanes did. Uh, in the twenty eighteen twenty nineteen season, and they might even still do it, as, as, but it really is when it was going crazy. After they would win games, this is when they started to kind of begin their ascent from being a bad team into being a team that could compete. And even when they lose games big time, because that happens when you are a team that's kind of on the rise, they still would do this. And it would be after home games, they would just do something wacky. They would mm-hmm. like they would they would skate from the red line to the 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 end boards. Looks like, so like center to the end boards and they'd skate and they'd jump into it and they'd hit the boards, just kind of a fun, like crowd interactive thing to try to get the fans into it and to kind of become this fun, like fan first type team. And they call it the storm surge. And then this uh, Don Cherry is like this old school Canadian hockey commentator on CBC or was he's recently misplaced from that role. Uh, he called them a bunch of jerks. He hated this, like, outward fun. Like, he hates hockey fun because he's a guy from, like, a different time when hockey players had to be robots. Like those those baseball guys guys we hate. Uh, 100%. It's 100% what he is. (laughs) And uh, he called them a bunch of jerks on, like, on, you know, live TV. So Carolina releases Hurricanes-themed, Hurricanes-colored bunch of jerks (laughs) t-shirts. Completely leaned into it. It was awesome. So so, So Carolina kind of made their waves, made their mark, um, you know, prior to this, but this is kind of their real foray, their real ascent into being notable for their play. Uh, mm. In quite some time, they won the Stanley Cup in I believe 04. They they actually won it all, and since then it's been kind of tough sledding for them. So, I'm glad to see that they're back in a good spot. They're making the postseason. I don't think they'll. I think they'll be postseason like mainstays for a while. I don't think they're necessarily going to win it all anytime soon but I think they're going to be around. They're going to be a tough out. They're a good team. They're a fun team. I like them, and I'm rooting for them because I have no reason not to. They're, they're, they're a good, fun team.
0: So Colorado will be back. The Avalanche have a, a young team. Uh, they have they built through the draft, if I remember correctly, correct? Yes or no? Very,
1: very much so.
0: And so they – but the, the question is, as they their young guys' age, they're going to have to be paid at some point. So I would imagine that the pressure is on. You there? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I was about okay. you were. Yep, are you good? Yeah, oh, no. I'm, no, I'm here. So yeah, the okay. pressure is on. Um, well, I would kind, say next year they have to win, right? Kind of. So they've got their two best players, I think, in Miko Ranton and Nathan McKinnon. They're, those guys are locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, McKinnon expires 23-24, and Rantanen expires 25-26. And McKinnon specifically is on what I think is unequivocally the single best contract in the league. And it's not close. He's making $6.3 million, which is a little bit, what is that? Half a little bit more than half of, uh, what guys like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid mm. are making. Yeah. And he's like 95% as good.
0: Mm. So he's wildly underpaid,
1: wildly underpaid. And he's 25 years old. Wow. <laughs> like, this contract, but he's gonna him. get
0: paid at some point.
1: He will in twenty three twenty four. I, th- I think that's your. I think that's your spot. They've got Brandon Saad, who is a uh, for for the hockey fans. It's crazy that he's only twenty eight years old because he's been on the league for a long time. He won some cups in Chicago. He's on a pretty team friendly deal this year, but he expires after the season. Gabriel Landeskog, who's their captain, another great player. He's only twenty eight. He expires after this season on a pretty team friendly deal as well. After that, after those two guys, um. I you know I actually don't hate their cap sheet. uh They're they're both their goaltenders, Philip Grubauer, who's played tremendously, and devin dubnik who's a capable backup, are both up for new deals. But Grubauer's only making three and change this year, so he's got room to get paid, and I'm sure he will. At 29, goaltenders age late. Like goaltenders don't really come into mm-hmm. their prime until their late 20s, whereas like you know skaters yeah. are usually mid 20s, even early 20s. Grubauer's right at that time now where he's hitting his stride just in time for payday, so he's gonna get paid. He's gonna get paid well. Um, But outside of Grubauer, you got Landeskog who needs a contract and Saad who I'm sure they're going to try to keep around. There's not a lot they're missing. So, you know, really, I think you're right on the money in that next year. um, There's going to be – you know, and and, and those aren't the only guys expiring. There are some fourth-line guys, Pierre-Edward Belmars expiring, Carl Soder. But these are guys that are easily replaced. These are million, million million-and-a-half, $2 million guys who are going to be on free agency. You can replace those guys. The guys that are irreplaceable or that are tougher to replace, there's not a lot that you have to do there. And um, they're a smart team who's drafted well, who's got guys waiting in the wings who have just shown they are a generally competent franchise. So while I do think the clock's ticking because the clock's always ticking, I think there are other teams, namely Vegas um, and the Islanders who are up there in average age, who need to win it before they either get too expensive or get too old.
0: Do Do they have one year or two? Does Colorado have one year left? Is next year the year, or do they have two years where they possibly win? I mean, I think like win? I
1: think I think like realistically, like I really think they have like through 22, 23. I think that's okay. like That that's when the McKinnon contract expires. He's going to go into that contract being like 27, 28 years old, so he's going to get a big time payday because he's still going to have a few more valuable years left, and they're going to pay him for past performance because that's what hockey teams always do. Yeah. Um so
0: that's 2 years, right? Because they'll start yeah, again this is in 2021
1: 20, and then 21-22 yeah. and then 22-23. So two so after this two full seasons after this, I think is where um is where it's going to be it's is where they're going to their their window's going to be. It's going to be weird for them because they signed this Miko Rantanen deal. He's making 9 and a quarter through 24-25. And you sign contracts anticipating the cap's going to go up. Mm. Um but with COVID, there's a strong indication that the, the cap will remain flat, could even go down, which puts a lot of teams in a weird spot. Colorado would be one of them because they're spending almost to the cap, and they got a lot of talent, and they're going to have to make some decisions. Um, or you could just do what Tampa Bay does and opt to play the entire season without one of your best players and uh, save some money. <laughs> uh, before we move LTIR. on, yeah.
0: Before we move on, I want to say I want to share with the audience a fun behind the scenes thing. We use Riverside FM to record, which is this amazing software, basically where, unlike Zoom, you don't need good internet to record. So if your internet cuts out, it'll still record everything locally. But I, you can still – so the end product will be good even if there's bad internet. I currently can't see you. I imagine that's bad internet. It's very off-putting. If you heard me slip up, I was like, are you still there? Because I I can hear you clearly, by the way. It's amazing.
1: But I can't I see me. you. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, I thought it was me. Your video, when we record, gets terrible. And I know it's not you. Uh, I it know might it's be, Riverside. Though. I don't, and I think it is me because
0: my internet here is. It's funny. I'm moving to Hawaii, and I have five times faster internet in Hawaii than I do here, and I have the best I can possibly get here.
1: And you're back. Hello. I'm not hardwired. I don't know. Again, I've watched the videos. I think that we both look pretty not grainy. Like we look fine. um, Yeah. You know, on the video. But during our recordings, I can barely see you. But you know, I hear (laughs) you, and that's
0: what matters. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to Boston. What's next for the Boston Bruins?
1: You know i mean until that until that that group is t- you know until it's breakup time, and I don't think that's necessarily soon I don't think um i think it's it's kind of business as usual are they going to uh,
0: flounder though because they don't seem like a team that could win a title are they unless they have really good fortune or get a free h in or make a big move.
1: What they do with Taylor Hall is interesting because he's up for a deal. He Mm. signed a one year deal with them. That's Um, right. Or I guess he signed a one year deal and then got traded to them. But he's on a one year contract, so he's up for re-signing. David Krejci, who's a long time Bruin, he wears he wears an A for them. He's thirty five years old. He's actually their highest paid player, and he's a good player, but he's not their best player at all. Um, You know, he's he's going to be up for re-signing. It's curious how that gets approached because he's making seven and a quarter this year, and he's probably not a seven and a quarter player. (laughs) and he yeah. and he won and he won't be into his late 30s which is where this next contract will take him. So mm. if he is, you know, depending I don't I don't know what that will bring, I don't know what Bruins fans think they're going to sign him for. I can't I, I imagine that because he spent so much time in Boston and had so much success there. He's going to want to stick around. The number is going to matter a lot for them because they're spending right to the cap. And then again what it comes what comes down the the pipe with with Taylor Hall. But um, you know, Brad Marchand is paid through 24-25. Uh Charlie Coyle is paid through twenty five twenty six. Posternock is through twenty two twenty three, so that's next year. You got one more year of Patrice Bergeron. So they're gonna be able to bring back a lot of their squad. Um you know, fairly easily. Charlie McAvoy is their young stud defenseman, he's paid. You're gonna have to make a decision on Brandon Carlo. He's 24, so he's he's only making a little bit under three this year. And you got a couple of other guys that are making you know sub two million that are you know replaceable guys. The big one is Tuka Rask, who again, a controversial figure in Boston, who's making seven million dollars this year, is up for re-sign what they do with Mm. him is incredibly interesting. And I think that what they do with him is going to give you some tea leaves to read regarding the future of that franchise and what moves they decide to make. But I think they're going to, they're going to remain competitive because they got too many guys on too many good contracts signed for too far to not want to compete. But what that level of competition looks like is going to depend a lot. I think on what they do with, uh, with Rast this off season.
0: Will Boston have an, will Boston compete for a title next year?
1: I, it's hard to say no. Like I think the answer is yes. With, with the guys they got, even if they, you know, create some holes in free agency and then and then patch them up in the same free agency, again, they're kind of the same deal. They're a well ran team. They sign good contracts. They don't take on a lot of bad stuff. They still, you know, it, mm. they've they've got younger guys who are who who could. Ste- they always seem to get production out of these younger guys. Yeah. They always seem to get one guy who can step up and play. Um, it's hard to count them out. I don't know if they're. I don't know if this was their best shot necessarily you know but but they'll be
0: back in this position next year they are they're
1: getting a little older like I mean Bergeron is 35 Crecci's 35 Marchand's 33 and these are you know for hockey these are old guys but they've Mm -hmm. also got young guys who are who are again coming up Pasternak only 25 McAvoy's 24 Coyle's 29 so they've got guys and they've got guys on like I said good contracts who are good players they're going to compete the level in which they compete is uh Going to be, a, I think their their goalie situation is going to mean a lot because their backup goalie Yaroslav Halak is also up for re-sign. So both their starting, go- mm. or both their their everyday goalies need new contracts.
0: How would you compare Boston to Pittsburgh? I would think Pittsburgh's in a much worse situation where they're a little bit older, uh, and they're. Is, I, I guess that's all it is. is Pittsburgh's older, right? I mean, I, I would say Boston's like in a better. Serious position.
1: goaltending issue right now. Like Tristan mm. Jari is, um, is Pittsburgh's. I guess I'll say, like, everyday goaltender, they've got Jari and uh, and Casey DeSmith, who, um, you know, is not is not great. Neither of those guys are very good, frankly. And yeah. goaltending is going to continue to be an issue for them. And they've committed to Jari $3.5 million for the next two years after this one. So unless he makes a serious step, this is not going to be a team that I think can be a serious competitor um, until they can fix this goaltending situation again, whether that's Jari making a leap, and suddenly that $3.5 million goes from bad to good in terms of value, or they're able to find money... Um, you know, elsewhere, this is a team that also you know their final cap they spent to the cap because they've got you know two guys making over over eight and a half million dollars a year in Malkin and Crosby, and Crosby is thirty three years old, is one bad hit away from never playing again, and he's got four more years at eight and a half million, eight point seven million because he wears eighty seven. Mm-hmm. That's he literally signed for eight point seven million dollars a year because he wears number eighty seven.
0: Now I look at the Winnipeg Jets and I I see. LeBron James with Cleveland, where you know Cleveland didn't support him, and they they every year they hit a wall. Or I, I think Russell Wilson in Seattle is a great another example of a team that has a great quarterback, a Hall of Fame player, a generational player. That's kind of maybe once in a franchise you ever get a guy that talented, but they don't support him, and they make the playoffs every year because of him, but they always hit a ceiling. Winnipeg, the Jets, feel the same way. They've got Connor Hellebuck, this incredible goalie, and that's it. So, what's next for Winnipeg? I mean, is it it's just, just going to be a cycle year and where we talk about that's, that's wow, amazing, not even and then... really
1: that's it? It's just like it, they've got a great top end Ford group like mm. Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor and Paul Stastny, who was up for re signing, um, Mark Shifley, three of those four guys, not Stastny, Wheeler, Connor, Shifley. These guys are all committed long term. Like, uh, like Wheeler and Shifley are paid through twenty three, twenty four, and Kyle Connor's paid through twenty five, twenty six. So these, are the, this mm-hmm. is your core. You have that there. Nick Eala is another great player. He's making six million through twenty four, twenty five. So all these guys, you have at least three years on, ex- with the exception of Stassen, Like I said, who's thirty five. So it's not like he's, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get a lot out of him. He's a good player, yep. but he's you, you can't look to him long term. Matthew yep. Perreault is thirty three. He's making a little over four. He's up for a new contract, and then. You know, that's about where, where it ends for your real contributors. They've got some questions on defense. They're going to have three of their roster defensemen uh, and then a couple of more guys who don't play quite as often um, up for new contracts. They are spending quite a bit of money, so they're going to have some decisions to make. So I don't think that this is a team that you can necessarily like write off because they have a really great forward group that they have the money for, clearly. they got to fix that defense. That defense is incredibly pedestrian. It's very, very average Um, they're spending a quarter of their cap on defense and they're not getting tremendous production and it's only going to go up because they've got guys who need contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't, I don't know their path. Like it's, it's tough for them. They need to fix this defense thing, but defense right now is so valuable. Teams are catching on to signing, you know, defensemen get paid more than they have in recent years because it's proving to be an incredibly valuable thing in, in the postseason, as you'd expect. They've got some, some work to do. Josh Morrissey's a good player, and he's signed through 26-27 at six and a quarter a year. One of the longest contracts in the league to this point. Um, so they're committed to him, and they're committed to Dylan DeMello, who's making $3 million, which I actually don't think is a bad deal for DeMello. He's not a player that's going to change your franchise, but he's only making $3 million a year. So you know, who will at that rate? Um, so I, I guess I don't, I don't have a great answer outside of, like, it's going to take some doing for them to like really compete cuz they're certainly not there yet even with their I know, don't great think forward, they will. Great I'm I'm not
0: confident they're going to make enough moves to take a step forward.
1: Yeah, I mean they're going to bring back Brian Little who was on um long-term injured reserve but he's like in his early mid 30s he's 33 this year and he's signed for another 3 years at a at a sizable number of like 5.3 but uh I don't think he's he's enough. I and mean, what what really hurts Winnipeg is like While they need defense, they clearly could have used some goal scoring this year, or in this postseason, and they, earlier in the season, traded like one of the best pure goal scorers in the league in Patrick Laine because they didn't like his effort or something. No one really knows. So they traded him for Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's a 22-year-old, very talented center on a decent contract, but he's not the instant contributor a guy like lion is and that's the guy that could have used for this postseason so you look back and you mm. think oh, you know i don't know about this one maybe the young guy awesome develops though yeah i mean but it's like with lion like you yeah maybe the young guy pierre Clou- or uh pierre Luc dubois who's only 22 years old and he's a center which is kind of inherently a more valuable position um you know you think maybe he does develop but at the same time yeah, he's a Lyon kid a. though he's a but, baby but, and but is young too, like the guy they traded him for, this this Patrick Lyonne, who's like like I said, one of the best pure like goal scorers in the league. Guess what? He's twenty three. He's a year older.
0: Oh, so that's just a bad move. Seems like. it's just a
1: bad move. Like it's it's just it didn't. It's I I I have got the receipts. I have text messages from the day that that <laughs> happened of me hammering Winnipeg for making this deal. And it guess what? It's not looking good.
0: Yeah, Austin, uh, your wealth of knowledge. You have anything else? Any other thoughts you want to I have a with? question
1: for you. Yeah. I've wanted to ask you this question since we did our first episode. I've forgotten twice. I'm not gonna okay. forget this time. Okay. Fighting in hockey. I want your take.
0: I I absolutely love it. I think it's okay. um it's certainly not the most elegant thing. It certainly uh, probably doesn't enhance the like the gameplay. I, like I I don't but it's it's unique to hockey. I think it's one thing incredibly entertaining. Um, and there's also, I think, a factor of I, I, there have been so many times when I'm playing sports that you do just want to hit the guy like, you you know, like I, I wish it was allowed when I played high school football or played college football. And you're like, this effing guy keeps hitting me late and I just want to punch him. And I remember at uh, Oregon State, what do you call it? Um, like summer camp where you have like your whole your team camp. Yeah. I got into a brawl twice. Because the guy was cheap shotting my running back and he threw him to the ground late and I hit, hit the guy back. And he was going to UCLA. He stood up six foot five. And I was like, I, I can't fight this guy. But it was that's then my team stood up and we all got into a brawl. And I I think it's it's entertaining. It really, really is, uh, I guess, cathartic where you're like, we all want Absolutely. that and we get it. Um, and I don't really see a reason why it would be bad in hockey other than risk of injury or uh which i guess if you are worried about that you don't get into like you're smart enough to get into a fight but i don't see a, a single negative for hockey other than you could argue it takes away from like the the nuance and you know beat people with the game and you know with your skill rather than your, your punches.
1: yeah you, you touched on it the the two risks are obviously injury um and you know there's the kind of the marketability of it right but at the same time i don't even believe in the marketability argument because like the ufc is on espn so, are yeah. we really concerned with the marketability of fighting in hockey? Like I don't. Well, hockey's
0: different. It's hockey's more middle America. Hockey's more. It's a, you're not going to have some I, I, man. I don't. I don't know how to say. I went to a liberal arts college. You're not going to have the guy in the tweed jacket who you know is a, a, It's a different per, type of person that likes hockey. And I'm here for it. You know what I mean? I.
1: That's mostly fair. Yeah, I mean, it's, hockey's growing on the coast. You know, you think of like the the tweed jacket, liberal arts college guy. that hockey's growing amongst that that group of people. Yeah. Um But at the same time, I, I I do see what you're saying, and that the Pierce. I think uh the the better way, or not better, but a I, way to and look I guess, at it is like.
0: Let me, let me be clear before before we move on from that I, I, that statement I made. I'm one of those guys. I hear you. I'm the guy who likes the fighting. I'm you know I I'm not. You. I'm not the guy who's tiptoeing and trying to be perfect and have. I, I just, I'm very, I, I enjoy that stuff. So, yeah. to be clear, no, I'm not I agree, trying to yeah. like divide people.
1: No, I get you. I get you. And uh, I think that it's more the person who's the, the, the hockey fighter, the person playing the game, who's doing the fighting, also isn't that guy. Like the person who's, who's down to drop the gloves and fight, like they know what they're getting into. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, you, we know what we're doing here. What people don't understand about, I guess this is like, I asked you the question and now I'm going to go on like a a, a rant. But
0: (laughs) well, can I pause you for a second? Absolutely. You opt you opt in. I mean, no one just gets decked. Hockey's got kind of like almost a chivalry that the fights I've seen, where you drop the gloves and the kind of the people go, "Are we really doing this?" I've barely I've seen fights where it kind of happens chaotically and sporadically, and there's some real anger there. But often it's like, "Hey, mother effer," and then the guy goes, "Yeah, let's do this." And there's kind of a moment where they square off and both agree to participate. If you
1: don't have an interest in fighting, you're probably not fighting a lot. It's yeah. kind of the way it goes. You opt in. Yeah, You opt in. And there's a ton of like, mic'd up NHL videos, guys wearing microphones who are fighting. And it's very, it's it's so funny because it's guys <laughs> who will line up next to each other and one guy might tap them on the shin pad. And it's, it's very simple. There's this like, it's very, it's been well talked about throughout the interwebs throughout hockey fighters this hockey fighter code and this is one of those code things you go up to a guy you say like you know for whatever reason you know maybe it's i don't even dislike this guy or this team but i'm noticing our team is flat we're down a couple goals the crowd is flat let's fight let's get something going here or it's you know this guy took a run or uh, our star player and we gotta you know we gotta we need retribution there's a lot of reasons to fight but the guy will line up next to him and he'll tap him on the shin pads with a stick and he'll say hey you know are we doing this And then the other guy will say, yep. And then they'll wait a second for the puck to drop and they'll separate. They'll shed their gear and they will fight. And I've seen, I've literally seen fights with, there was one guy, I can't remember the two players involved, but there was a guy coming off of a shoulder injury. He had surgery. And uh, in hockey, it's coming to grab up here to get balance for yourself because you're on skates and for control of the other person, kind of move them around by the collar of their shirt or their jersey. And uh, one guy, the guy who didn't have the shoulder surgery, is asking this guy like mid-fight. They're punching each other in the head, and you can visibly or you can like audibly hear him ask which shoulder was injured, so as to avoid grabbing that shoulder.
0: <laughs> There's like a chivalry there. It's exactly. almost like yeah, it's we. It's a weird respect. I mean, yeah, no one's trying to hurt the other guy, but it's like hey, very I remember very when I, rarely when I when I played. Wreck basketball uh, before COVID, but these pre-COVID times I can barely remember. <laughs> I, I played basketball, and there were some guys who were really dirty. And you're like, dude, I would rather just punch the guy and get kicked out for the day and come back in a week when I, you know, my suspension of, from the building in college ends. I, there were times where it would have been worth it to me to just punch the guy and deal with the consequences for a week. And I, sports are so weird because in in a, in a normal adult setting it's not acceptable to do that but in sports you're so physical you're so chippy you hate the way this guy's been cheap shotting you all day and you have a moment where you get to opt in you get to decide you know the consequences you'll be you know in the penalty box and you'll be suspended or whatever the hell it is and you have that moment of clarity and then you still decide to go through it because to you it's worth it and I, I know exactly it, yeah. how that feels
1: the reason I asked, you know, it would have been a better conversation, I think, had I asked after our first episode or during <laughs> our first episode, because sure. it, during when when I described the the injury to Toronto captain Jonathan Tavares when he was kneed in the head on accident by Corey Perry of the Montreal Canadiens and it knocked him out of the series, and there was a big to do about that, and it was like I said, a complete accident. Corey Perry was made to fight that game, and um, it was one. It was uh, oh my goodness, um, one of the the Maple Leafs. Um, uh, Nick Foligno, he mm-hmm. he fought Corey Perry, yep, and Cory Perry clearly didn't want to fight like he didn't punch back. You can watch the tape Corey Perry's leaning back and he's not punching back. Um, I don't like because, that well he it's it's this hockey code thing because and and they and they talk about it for the game, and Felino mentions that he had said to Perry, like, hey, we're not mad at you. We know it was an accident, but this has to happen. Because if we don't get it out of the way now, then it's our guys taking runs at your guys, and it's your guys taking runs at our guys. And this isn't settled until it's settled.
0: Let's settle it. I love that.
1: So let's be done. And Corey Perry, clearly knowing it was an accident, clearly knowing he's injured severely, a friend of his, goes through with the fight, opts to not punch back and kind of just take his semi-licks and be done with it. And then guess what? That series went clean the rest of the way out. It de-escalated things. It, it it put a cap on things instead of, instead of the media running wild with how does how does Toronto respond in Game Two to this injury? It's we got out of the way, we're done. It's settled. It's over, and we're gonna, just gonna play hockey the rest of the way out. And that's often what fighting is: is it's neither guy necessarily wanting to kill the other guy, but it's realizing like you did this to one of our guys and it was an accident, but like, you got to pay for it. There needs to be a response or else I can't look at myself in the mirror as a player. Our team has to wonder what's going on and that we have to take care of this. And, and that's, that's how it, that's how, it, you know, that's how it happens a lot. It's, it's such an interesting, mm-hmm. weird, different thing. Cause it's so unlike anything else.
0: I want to revisit something. I said, I I'm feeling almost, almost guilty, almost regret. I'm not sure. I want to talk through it with you. I mentioned like how hockey's more Middle America and the liberal arts guy, and I feel like that that unintentionally divides people. It creates two different groups of people, and I don't I don't like doing that. Um, but I, I know that I, I don't personally think hockey with fighting being involved cuts anybody off from now bec- from new people becoming a fan of hockey.
1: No one's you know, this no one's not point.
0: being a fan of hockey because of fighting.
1: This is a good point. You mean, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I there are I think there are some people who. And I don't have any examples, so it's not like I'm thinking of sure. one person or one group of people. But I think there are people who are seriously turned off um, by the idea of watching a sport where people are like throwing punches at each other. But it's like, is football that football's not any less violent, right? It's just not. well, I,
0: I gotta let me let me stop you because you do yeah. an MMA podcast. I don't I don't like watching MMA. Okay. It, it makes me feel kind of weird and sick. i watching fair. another That's man totally make a guy bleed. Fair. And I and I but I, I own that. My my fiance loves it. I don't I don't like it. Hockey doesn't Completely feel fair. that way because it feels like there's a step removed. You're wearing padding, and I know you take the helmet off and you would take the gloves off, but I and the fights I have watched, I remember um Conor McGregor elbowing cowboy, or yeah. I guess shouldering cowboy. Shoulder broke his nose. And I remember going, That's brutal, but that's genius. I, I actually appreciated it. So my initial response to any fighting has always been ah! I don't really like watching the guy bleed. I don't feel like I need to participate. But I also really respect it. And for some reason, hockey feels even more approachable than MMA because there's, it's just a, it almost there's like a layer between with the padding it's or something. So,
1: it's so codified too. It feels, and, and in the UFC and in MMA and in other promotions, it's, it's, more, like, brutal. it's, it's more brutal. UFC is really but brutal. brutal. But it's also like we're signing a con. So like, it's hard to get more codified than we're signing a contract and agreeing to do Yes. Yeah. But in hot, but like, that's like a guy going to work and, like, you know, mm-hmm. I fight who I fight. In hockey, it's like there's this small, select group of guys who are still really, really willing to fight. I'd say like fighters in the league. There's twenty of them, fifteen yeah. of them maybe. Like there's not. And if you don't many.
0: want to do it, you don't. You don't participate.
1: And there's and you know a guy might get in a fight once or twice a season who's not a fighter, but of the fighting people, the the, the yeah. enforcers. There aren't very many. And That's they a great stick word. To a very adhe- they adhere to a very strict code. It's you know, it's it. If, if if I give you a fight because my team's down, I'll give you one down the road. It's a very handshake deal um, that adds this level of humanity to it that's different than MMA when it's like we get locked into a cage and we're doing this like for money. Mm. It's not for my team. It's not so we win. It's like I'm getting paid to try to knock your head off. And again, you said it. I do a podcast on it. I really enjoy it. But I understand the turnoffs, and I understand why it's different than hockey fighting.
0: Have you ever read – I am obsessed. My fiancé probably is annoyed at talk about this character so much. Have you ever read Jack Reacher?
1: No, I haven't.
0: It's a guy who's a a former military policeman who is basically like Sherlock Holmes and a superhero where if you watch the the, you read the books and Lee Child, the guy who wrote the books, even talks about how it's very much uh, fulfilling for people because he always wins and he takes down the big bad guy. And he even like the character even says, like, I don't really care about the little guy. I just hate the bad guy. I yeah. hate the big guy who thinks he can get away with stuff. And so for me when I watch that, I, or when I read those books and there's a couple movies, but the books are what I really love. I I'm obsessed. He always gives people a way out if they want it. He's very fair, but if you approach him, he'll he'll finish it. And I yeah. I love that. I find that incredibly like attractive. I'm like that's I, I love reading that story and those stories and in hockey it's like you don't no one forces you to fight. You can get out if you want. And if you start it, then you get finished sure but it's
1: it, i i it feels very fair almost if in a hockey. guy's being made to fight like if it's like you, uh, like a guy gets literally jumped it's probably not a guy who wants to fight to begin with and if that happens there's probably the guy that does want to fight who's got something to say about it so like the next shift when you know we're back out there and hey you jump my skill guy who's five nothing and doesn't really want to fight you you're going to you're going to have to re- you know respond to that you're going to have to report to that from my guy, who is a fighter, who says, "Hey, man, you can't go jump on our players." There's, it's very uniform. It's very, like I said, codified. The guys who fight and the guys who who do who have made a career out of fighting know what it means to take on that role.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm picturing, and I don't, I don't know if this has ever happened, but I'm picturing a moment where I know if I was the guy playing hockey, uh, I'd be probably not very likely to get into a fight. I'm sure I would. I've, I've I got into fights in football before. But I wouldn't seek it out. But I know if I was ever in a situation where a guy wanted to fight me and I didn't want to fight, I'd be like, hey, man, look, I'm wrong. And I just I don't want to fight. And you could do this kind of motion, put your hands up, back out. And I'm pretty sure a guy wouldn't go after you unless you're being a complete, like, disrespectful, awful, cheap, dirty person, which I'm just not. I'm pretty sure if you put your hands up back away, it deescalates it. I I, I, don't, I don't know if that's ever happened. You ever observed that? There's but I don't. Kind of
1: this fun song and dance that players who don't want to fight do. Whenever there's a scrum like near the net, for so like, yeah. And there's a whistle, and there's scrums, and everybody kind of they comes circle together. each other for like they kind, of, they kind of come together, and it's it's more just usually like, hey, are we cool? Like, are you cool? You're not doing anything wrong, are you? And he's like, no, are you doing anything wrong? Hmm. No, we're good. And then when there's a fight happening, usually it's all the guys who aren't fighting finding a partner on the other team and just holding on to them. You might have seen that in some of the scrums where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't really want to fight you, and you don't really want to fight me, but let's just make sh- let's let's police each other. That's the big hockey fighting thing: is it's self policing. This game polices itself. There's twelve guys, including goalies. There's two guys in the ice that can call penalties. This game yeah. has to, and it moves so fast. This game has to police itself, and that's how that's that's what fighting is. This is a self policing game, and fighting yep. is the facilitator for that.
0: I and another, you know, I've I worked for MLS games operating a camera. I hate soccer. Like I, I don't not like soccer. I actually hate soccer. I watch soccer, especially in the MLS. I think it's even worse than Europe. These guys roll around on the ground. They're wimpy. They barely get touched, and they grab their knee and complain and try to get a foul and try to get a card. I hate that stuff. So I really appreciate when in hockey, it's you get hit. it's a it's a physical contact sport, and people don't avoid contact. And I, I don't. Like we hear, I hear this term toxic masculinity. I don't know what that means very much. I can't, I can't speak to that. But I, I do know that there. I do appreciate a guy who isn't a wimp, who can take a hit and move on. And I, I, stuff happens in a contact sport, in a physical game. You can't be afraid of that. And I just – I really – when I contrast hockey, which I love, to soccer, which I hate, even though they have a lot of similarities. It feels like one's the tough, manlier version, for lack of a better word, of the other. When I watch soccer, it makes me angry. And I when it's hockey, I go, that's how it should be done. You get hit, you knock up, you get on, you move on. You hear on a lot on
1: those same, like, even the ice mics will catch it sometimes. But guys who are mic'd up, especially, a guy gets hit. You'll hear him saying without, like, being Tebow positive or, like, Andrew Luck positive. <laughs> yeah. But also not being a jerk. He'll just be like, nice hit. And then, like, he'll come trying uh-huh. to hit you the next time around. Like, it's, yep. it, that's a lot of that. It's part of the game. Yeah. Uh,
0: Austin, I, I think that's all we have. That's all I have um are you comfortable in our conversation here
1: absolutely uh MMA cage podcast I'm gonna, I'm ah, gonna, I'm gonna I got I got questions for you I got oh, que- I got
0: I'm, okay. I'm not done I got a couple questions number talking, one I done. want to tell Sorry. the audience
1: I jumped the gun goodness no Lord. no okay. no
0: no you're all good I, so I want to tell the audience first of all um I've been going through like hell I've been moving I spent six days on an island setting up my apartment like trying to look at headlines as i could trying to like stay up with box scores but not really watching not only not watching hockey not watching any sports i usually write every day for at least four couple of, like probably four hours at, at minimum wow. even when i'm on vacation i write for two hours a day and i didn't do any writing i didn't follow any sports i was busy i had like a timeline i had to get stuff done and it was incredibly stressful it was incredibly frustrating and i i felt really upset i couldn't watch hockey and i i could but i was i had to do stuff i couldn't yeah i couldn't yeah. work
1: you got life and, and so
0: I, I Yeah, I, di- I didn't watch any hockey, and I felt really bad, and I was really a, a, having a hard time. And I want to say thank you to you, Austin. I want the audience to know pretty clearly, if you listen to this episode, you carried this. I ask questions. I come into hockey as humbly as I can. I am a new face. I I, I love hockey. I don't know very much, but I want to ask questions, and I want to learn. And I try to come to the game and to the, the sport with humility. But I, I so much appreciate you, I could ask you a question. You're prepared. You have an answer. You've thought about it. And I don't think people understand how much work that takes. I know you love hockey. I know you watch a, a crap load of hockey, but that's still work. That's still something. And I just want to say thank you so much for your willingness to allow me to have done very. I, I have like, I have two pages of prepped notes basically saying, like, Hey, the Golden Knights beat the Canadians four to one. Vegas leads a series one nothing. And that's all I have to say. And then I throw to you, and you just you do such a good job. And it's I want to say all thank there's gonna, you.
1: There's going to be moments in the show, I'm sure, where like I'm <laughs> leaning forward. I'm here because I'm on my computer, like <laughs> making sure I'm not getting this sure. thing wrong. Sure. So, so it's not quite it's not all up here, but yeah, you know, I I, I enjoy it. Listen, hockey gets a rap for having uh, a group of fans as a sport, which is hard to generalize a whole group of fans of one sport that's nation that's that's international into one group. But hockey fans, especially in America, can be tough. It can be a tough sport to be a novice in because um, that's the some way gate the hockey keeping, fans probably. are. There's a lot of gatekeeping. It's because it's a small enough sport within the country that it's like we want to keep ours. Ours It's almost like this like cleansing level of it where it's like we want to keep the the hockey fan pure. Um, so there is some gatekeeping. It's hard on new fans, and uh, I, I don't I don't care for that. I. Uh, and, and like, I absolutely know there are times that I've been guilty of it myself, so I'm not going to sit here and say that I've been perfect. I definitely have said something I shouldn't have said before. It's like, it happens. But... To be
0: clear, I don't like Super Bowl parties because I hate watching football with people that don't know football. It makes me want to blow <laughs> their brains out. I hate those people.
1: So I, I get it. it so I I try to come into conversations like this because I know that I'm not only talking to you, I'm talking to your subscribers, I'm talking to the viewers, and I would like to see this game continue to grow. I think there's a lot in hockey that people – um, nation and worldwide could really come to enjoy if given a mm-hmm. chance. I understand the reputation it gets for being a slow sport, for being a boring sport. It's one nothing all the time. I get it. That's where I was 15 years ago. I was saying the same things you guys but are. But that's
0: a good game. That's what people don't get. Like, mm-hmm. I think, man, I think hockey is such a – a beautiful sport that deserves to. Be. That's why I do this. I think it should yeah. be uplifted to some degree. It's a and that's really... kind of
1: what I'm trying to do. That's that's yeah. the roundabout way of me saying like this is what yeah. I, I try to come as a as someone who likes to think of themselves as a, as a relatively experienced hockey fan, even though that feels like it's self advertising <laughs> to myself. Um, as someone who can who can be a, an ambassador of sorts for this this wonderful game, and and, pr- and if I get you know a couple of people to watch a to watch a, a cup final game, um, you know this was this was all worth it.
0: So I have two final questions. Number one. Absolutely, go ahead. We played Little League Baseball together. I remember we had yellow jerseys. Do you remember that? Yeah. We had we had Sarah. Uh, no, Rachel. Rachel, who became a cheerleader. Rachel was on our team. I don't know if you remember okay. that. I, I remember, remember Rachel. That. When we were we were she was a year older than us, but she was I remember her when we were older. I was like, wow, Rachel, that's the same person. I can't believe that. <laughs>
1: that's funny. Um, I don't remember that at all. That's
0: I, I I couldn't believe it. When I was at a class with her, I was like, wait, we played T-ball together? And I was like, oh, I can't believe it. But I want to ask you and I think it wasn't T-ball I think it was the next step up. You played catcher, I, I was did. a pitcher. Did I ever pitch to you? I I'm think sure that happened at right. Some point. I'm
1: sure you did. So, well cuz we played cuz cuz we played I I think we I think we rejoined later on maybe like 4th uh-huh. 5th grade like late elementary yep. school I think we played on the same team again. And yep. at that point I had moved uh, I was like a part-time outfielder. Um <laughs> but I, I'm sure I caught for you at some point. I think
0: so. And then now your dad was our coach at the younger age. Yeah. And then a weird thing happened where your parents got divorced and your, your uh-huh. mom remarried to another baseball coach. Yeah. And that's so uh, – Dean's great. I, I, I love that you have, like, kind of two father figures that I, I both love and play baseball for. That's kind of weird and awesome. Yeah. And I just I, – I, we were talking mid-hockey, and I had these, this flashback flood of memories to playing baseball with you and the coaches. And I was like, ah, that's so, like, weird and cool. I just wanted to share that with anybody.
1: It was, it was a good time. I uh baseball was fun. That was the first sport I I played, like in an in an organized environment, which like how organized is elementary school baseball really, but like that is the first <laughs> one. I uh it's like a running joke amongst my family and I because I was never a phenomenal hitter, but my on base was great because I got hit a lot and I had a good eye. So I was drawing a lot of walks, I was getting hit a lot. Billy Bean would have loved me as a player on base percentage <laughs> through the roof. So just lean in. Lean in, taking balls a lot of a lot of going down looking, but a lot of free passes uh baseball was fun, that was a good time and I've said it before you know if there's any any new parents who want their kids to play a professional sport if you had to choose baseball's the one they have the best union, they make the most money, It's the least dangerous, like the best baseball is the one the, yeah, it's the best it's, life you you play your game in the summer, which I guess like your off seasons in the winter kind of sucks, but at least you're not playing games in the snow, so yeah. if you know. Baseball, that's if you're, baseball you're gonna...
0: or basketball. That's what you want yeah. your kids to do, and and baseball is more approachable because you can be five ten and still make it.
1: You can be five ten and be an amazing player. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mike Trout might be the best player ever. He's like six feet tall. Basketball, good luck. You know you got to be something special. So baseball's the one. Baseball's definitely the one.
0: Hundred uh, percent. Last question, and I yep. now you, I shut you down a minute ago. I didn't mean to like jump on no. you. I wasn't like angry hey, at you. This is
1: your show. But your I've part?
0: had a plan the whole time. I was like, I want to ask you. You did an okay. interview at six. It's it's. 10:49 PM, on, PM, uh, p.m. on on Tuesday night, time. yeah. And and uh, we do these late night shows. I can't believe you're so willing to do it. I appreciate. it. I know you're busy. It's
1: gotten light. Like I, when we started the show, it was light <laughs> outside, and it's like gotten darker. I've seen my lighting change in the show because of the time.
0: Uh you did not interview at six o'clock. Who'd you interview, or can you say who?
1: I can absolutely say who. It's going to be dropping on the uh, the Uncaged Podcast uh, YouTube feed later on this week. We interviewed uh, Ensign Enway. Ensign anyway is a Hawaiian born Japanese American former MMA fighter turned coach who um, you know I won't spoil too much but to give you the like the ESPN like Mike Greenberg lead-in. Um, <laughs> his 20 professional fights are, as I said in the show that we recorded, maybe the least interesting part of his life. he's been to prison. He is oh. a Yakuza affiliate. He, he's tied in with the Japanese underworld. He's a current mixed martial arts coach over in Japan. Incredibly awesome, interesting, entertaining, fun guy. Um, I think he's going to have his own show set up happening soon. So anybody out there who's interested in MMA, who is a fan of Ensign, um, might see some content from him coming soon. You'll definitely see it on our feed. It's Uncaged Podcast. It'll be coming soon. We also... Are getting ready to release finally after uh, a long wait, part one of our long form documentary series on Diamond Dustin Poirier.
0: Mm. I'm curious, what's, what's, how do you spell his name? Do you know his Instagram?
1: Uh, Dustin's or Ensign's? Ensign. So Ensign N U A is spelled E N S O N I N O U E. Dude, I've seen this guy all over Instagram before. I knew, I knew it. I heard that name. I was like, I've
0: seen this guy, right? And I have. He's from Hawaii and I love Hawaii anything. I'm like a nerd he, yeah. about it, Hawaii.
1: So he yeah, so he uh, he's born in Honolulu. He moved to Japan in his early 20s to pursue racquetball. He's like a accomplished on a world level racquetball <laughs> player. Him and his brother um, decided that uh, you know while in Hawaii, he got in a lot of street fights and uh, decided he wanted to learn how to defend himself and it's turned from there. He had his first pro fight in his late 20s and from there it took off.
0: Send me that interview when it comes out. I want to see will. it. We'll do that. okay austin I, I love you so much man thank you for your time uh great stuff as always today and uh i i, I think i that's everything i have possibly to cover
1: is that that you too we'll be back we've got a lot of hockey to still be played i can't wait to talk about it more but i think for now we have exhausted what we needed to talk about
0: all right we'll be back guys but um bum bam we are done